Here we have people love watching Bloodborne because are you okay? People love watching Bloodborne not because it is easy, but because it is hard. Oh my gosh! No, people love Henry. People love John watching Bloodborne. Okay? Henry, hear me out. John, what is happening people to you? Love to, people love to watch people playing Bloodborne because... Hey man, Buzz Aldrin. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name's John. And together we're Henry and John. Connected. Via. Internet. Doop, boop, 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 internet theme song. You know what's more exciting than the internet, Henry? What's more exciting than the internet, John? That this, episode 49 of the canonical series known as Zero Credits, that's right, no alt-universe shit here. Yeah, take that, you stupid other supplemental reading bull. Ugh, those take place on Earth 357. Yeah, where Superman's a bowl of soup. Ugh, but he's a pretty... It's crazy, though, because usually you blow on a bowl of soup, but he blows on you because he has really cold Superman soup breath. Superman! Yeah, that's, that's Superman. Yeah. Superman! That's, that's Superman. So good. Anyway. You were saying that this episode 49 in the series of the canon of Zero Credits episodes is, of course, as everyone is aware, the season finale of season one of Zero Credits. Season finale! Which means we really gotta bring it. We really need to double down and and double dig and dig down deep and more D-words to make sure this episode is delightful, entertaining, and good. Damn right. Now, if you think about it, though, we are a... I would describe us as a cultural awareness podcast focusing on movies and television and video games and books. So, if we took a lesson from television, which, of course, is the only medium that has season finales... You're right. Then we can go one of two ways. We can be super high energy trying to tie up all of our various loose ends into a very kind of tight, contrite package. Or? Or we could be thoroughly disappointing and on a cliffhanger. You know, I really feel like a marriage of the two, done well, can only benefit us in the long run. So high energy, try to pull everything together, fail to, and then ultimately end on a cliffhanger. Just like any episode of 30 Rock. Just like any episode of Lost. Well, yeah, but I, I was saying it done well. 30 Rock, well, it didn't disappoint. But like, no, Liz Lemon in 30 Rock, that's what she would try to do. I've seen three episodes of 30 Rock, I think. Contrary to popular belief, it is not a show about 30 Rocks. What? Yeah, there's actually, like, people in it. But how many rocks are in it? I, I... You know, experts are still out because they the rocks keep moving too fast to count. I'm going to say false advertising, but I do know that the guy who played one of the Smurfs is in it. 
What? One of the guys who plays one of the uh, primary Smurfs in the Hollywood blockbuster film The Smurfs is in 30 Rock. Oh, I thought you were t- talking about the legendary Hanna-Barbera cartoon from the uh, past. Oh, well, since there's a remake of it, that no longer is canon. You're right. Everyone knows when something is remade, the original source material is forever obliterated from everyone's minds and souls. You ever see Doctor Strange? It's like that. I did not see Doctor Strange because everyone around me went by themselves or on dates, and so I couldn't go to see it with people, so I never got to see the movie, and you always bring it up, and it just makes me angry, and you know what, John? I'm sick of it. I think it's on Redbox, so... You're probably right. I'll probably like check it out or something soon. Yeah, feel free. It's good. Yeah, or I'll just wait till it's on like Amazon Prime or something. Yeah, but when do Marvel movies ever come to streaming? Wait. Okay. Civil War is on Netflix. You mean Cappy America Civil War? Yeah, Cappy America Civil War is on the uh, flick of neck. The flick of neck? <laughs> you flick your neck, and it's good. You flick neck your flick. neck, and you connect. So good. <laughs> it's like CISO, you know? You see something, so you say something. Yeah, CISO, perfect. Yeah, that's 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 where that network got its name. So I was thinking that uh, through line through the first season of Zero Credits and listeners, be aware the second season of Zero Credits totally different. Gonna be off the chain, as they say. It's like there's a chain and it's holding back a monster in a in a pit in space. Wait, how's there a pit in space? You ever watch uh, Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back? I have seen the Star War, yes. There's a worm and an asteroid. There is a worm and an asteroid, but see, that's in an asteroid. Are you saying that there? it's like a chain over a pit in an asteroid in space? No, it's a, it's a chain in a pit in something. There's a monster in a black hole, and it is chained up. Oh, so you're talking about Matthew McConaughey in the, the hit uh, Interstellar movie interstellar and of course we all know that uh they said tesseract but they really meant tarask the legendary monster from third edition dungeons and dragons of course we everybody knows that everybody walked in the theater knowing that and you're saying that this chain is is keeping this tracked back but in season two yeah, in season two, the chain will be cut and the interstellar Tarrasque will reign for a thousand years. You know, why is it always a thousand years? But I'm not complaining because that means we're going to be in business for a long time. It's always a thousand years because that's such a long time that it sounds aspirational. If you don't live up to it, they're like, at least you tried intergalactic monster. Only in this case, the intergalactical monster is us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh throughout the first season of zero credits it has emerged time and time again that the uh favorite of all of our segments are the ones where we talk about popular culture not so much the ones where we talk about the depressing aspects of our lives or books or philosophy though i'm sure those are appreciated you know, I think there's a subset of listeners who really just hope we talk about our depressing philosophical lives. And those people will be the first to be disappointed by this, the final episode of Season 1 of Zero Credits. 
Because we're not going to do that, listeners. We're not talking about our depressing philosophical lives tonight. That's right. We're talking pure, unadulterated, pop culture blast fest. Blast, blast, blast. Nothing but blasts. We're going to talk about what? Like video game? Video game. What, what, like a movie? Movie game. What, like a TV? TiVo. What, like a Grammy or Oscar that's coming up? What is it called? The Emmys? Which one? Uh, the Oscars are coming up, I believe. I'm gonna miss it. Uh, you mean because it's not going to exist because this is the season finale of the Oscars? Yes, because this is the season finale of the Oscars. And so I'm gonna miss it going forward. You know, we all look forward to people who receive, of course, the Tony, the Oscar, the Grammy, and the Emmy. Oh, and yeah, of what course are they those they... people are called Groat Gronim. Yeah, Gronims. They're called Gronims. And, you know, every time a Gronim individual comes around, you just have to applaud them on their back. You have to slap them hard on their gronium hide. With both hands. So we're going to give you nothing but pop. Hit me with it, Henry. All right, here we go. Boop. I hit you. Oh. Oh. Looks like the first item we have to talk about is, let me spin the wheel of pop culture meaninglessness. Tick 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 I'm a wheel tick 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 boop doop 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 ding Oh it looks like the first thing we're going to talk about is video game Oh video game the fun you can have with your hand You know what they say about video game What do they say about video game John It's the only interactive medium that checks out it's true. So, uh, you got a video game you want to talk about? I've got a video game that I would like to drag back up, just like in season finale style. All of the things that we talked about in the past will be coming back up in the future, and by all of it, I mean just this one video game. Okay, so what I'm going to do is, you're going to tell me the name of the video game? Yeah. No, wait. Back it up. What I'll do is I'll act like season finale trailer style leading into the reveal of this video game. And then you have to jump in and and do it. Alright, sounds good. Okay, so I'm like chilling out at my house. I've done a lot of stuff. Crazy things have happened. And then, what's that? A knock on the door. Who could it be? This late at night. It's not Chad. Door swings open. What? I thought you were dead. It's Stardew Valley. That's right. Just when you thought it was safe to go back to the farm. It pretty much is, because there's not a lot of danger in the game. What? There's so much danger. I mean, I've died twice in the mines, but that doesn't matter. (laughs) More often that you die because of yourself. Yeah. No, but I've been playing a lot of Stardew Valley lately, like a lot of it. As in I've already I'm already in winter and I started playing like last Wednesday. Oh, that's significant. 
Yeah, so Stardew Valley is one of those, like, farming sim- life simulators. Not like farming simulator, but more like Harvest Moon. We've mm-hmm. talked about it before on the podcast, I believe. I think we um, used it as a way to segue into talking about, like, patrochialism in games and how we like predictable arcs and achievable goals when faced with the fact that life is full of not those things. Yeah, you know, I was talking about this with my girlfriend about why I like playing the game so much. And I really think it's because the predictability just kind of built is built into the game. So, for instance, I could, like, spend an afternoon fishing in the game. And unlike in real life, I'm guaranteed to catch at least a few fish to make my time worthwhile. I think one of the good things about Stardew Valley and games like it is that you are guaranteed some measure of success for what you do. If you try farming and you stick with it, you're going to get crops. If you have chickens, if you buy a chicken and you take care of the chicken, you will get eggs. If you try fishing, you're going to catch fish. It might not happen right away, but it's going to happen eventually because you're putting in the time. And life really can... It can be like that, but real life... There's a lot more that goes into it. There's no guarantees, you know? There are really no balance patches for real life where some unseen figure comes in and is like, no, you deserve this for what you did. (laughs) It's like, yeah, sorry, all of those people uh, pursuing the trying to get published life track, uh, the difficulty slider was really unbalanced. We're just going to go ahead and patch that up and make sure that everybody, no, that doesn't happen in the real world, you know? We just went ahead and we buffed the liberal arts majors because we, we saw there were some key inefficiencies in how they were performing, and uh, we've nerfed the engineers. <laughs> because, I mean, Jesus, are they overpowered? So overpowered. But, uh, so, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with Stardew, um, and it's, it's just scratching all the old itches of the old Harvest Moon, uh, Harvest Moon 64 that I used to play for days at a time. And, I don't know, it's a good way to to relax after a long day at the office. I had communicated this to you at some point, but the the thing that really stands out to me about Stardew Valley is how perfect of an encapsulation of what makes, like, the Harvest Moon loop interesting is... It's just boiled down to such a delicious sauce. Yeah. I mean, it's got... In a way, like, I'm comparing it to Harvest Moon 64, which is really like the baby of this game because it you can do everything you can do in Harvest Moon 64 but then there's more layers on top of it and Harvest Moon would get to a point where uh you had these Rune Factory games on the DS and 3DS yeah where they had all of these features but they were they were very limited and you end up with something with because Rune Factory is where like combat and loot and all this stuff came in yeah and then in Stardew Valley, you have that same core loop with combat that's whatever, it's cool. But you get all of these options, but you also get a ton of space to explore and modify and build. And everything is mutable. Yeah, it's the amount of custom and custom ability and the amount of just things that you can do, things you can dedicate time toward. Like, you could be a just a dedicated fisher, a dedicated miner... Or you could do all of it, and it's just you keep – the more you do, the more you unlock, the more you unlock, the more there is to do. It's a, an endless, like, feedback loop that's great, fun, 
and it just sucks away your time like a vampire. And and that game is it's very deep. It's very um I mean it's also very wide. It's both wide and deep. It is an impressive chasm. But the interesting thing to me about how Stardew Valley presents itself as a world is how much things just change because there are seasons but there are micro changes to the world within the seasons. It's not like, oh, it's spring now, so everything's going to be all springy. Like, there's stages of spring. Yeah. And going through for a first time, you might miss a lot of the, these micro changes because they happen whether you notice them or not. You know, yeah, like it's, uh, coming out of my house one time, I just saw like a tiny vine had grown up on the side of my house. I'm like, I know for a fact that wasn't there yesterday. Yeah, I think it's the the world is moving on without you or with you in that game. You know, you can participate in it and, of course, like become friends with all the people or you could just dedicate yourself to just raising this farm. Let life happen around you. And either way, you're having an experience, you know. And getting to know the townspeople is very rewarding in and of itself because you can seriously change the trajectory of their lives. Yeah, I mean, I've already befriended a caveman and a fisherman, and uh, that's about it. Who are you going to marry? Um, I'm working on that red-headed artist girl. Mm. She made me a statue and entitled it, This is How I Feel About Henry, so I feel like things are getting pretty serious. That's pretty serious. Yeah, although it was confusing because the, the, the statue, the sculpture itself is like a twisted knot of iron bars. Mm. So it's like, is she confused about how she feels about me? I feel like art is in the beauty of the eye. And my eyes are set to kill. I uh, I went for Maru, the uh, the sciencey the sciencey lady. Yeah, Maru's fine. Uh, and I'm accidentally wooing Haley because I accidentally gave her an ice cream cone once. Mm. And also, I am I just kept talking to Shane because I wanted to see like his dialogue grow. And all of a sudden, it feels like he's way more into me than I am into him. Uh, Shane is a very interesting character. Um, he is worth getting to know as a friend. Yeah, let's, let's just keep the friend boundary. I don't want to get Mass Effect 3 over here. But no, Shane definitely has an arc that's worth seeing. It is pretty, pretty dark. Oh, yeah, I I remember, oh, I remember one thing he said in front of his, his little niece. Uh, and it was, it was, it was pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. This game is not afraid to go, like, it, it's like Harvest Moon was pretty much lighthearted. And this game has a touch of really, like, real moments where it's just kind of like, whoa, whoa, I'm just trying to, like, buy feed for my chickens. Please, please, please put the knife down. It's like, I just want these pumpkin seeds. I don't want to know about your dead wife. Yeah. Mm. And apparently there's a war going on. I mean, what? And there's a train. That's pretty dark. Yeah, trains are dark because they go through tunnels. Sometimes. What's the skeleton key for? I don't know. Good, nice. Um, yeah, I haven't. I I played about a year of that. No, I played. Oh, oh. Uh, I played a decent amount of that game. Wasted a few dozen hours and stepped away from it. And I need to get back into it. Yeah, it's it's a good game. It it really. Uh, I don't know. It helps me unwind. The music is really nice and relaxing. So. 
I recommend it. I recommend anyone who's ever wanted to play a game about farming pick up Stardew Valley. Uh, I think that almost anyone can because Stardew Valley is cheap. You don't need much of a computer to run it, and it has wide-reaching appeal. It was, and it was recently featured in the Humble Freedom Bundle, but I think that might be over now. I'm not sure. Oh, is there a Humble Bundle going on? There was a massive Humble. There was a massive Humble Freedom Bundle, which you for thirty bucks you got a just a ton of stuff. And all the proceeds went to a split between the ACLU, Doctors Without Borders, and one other charity that I can't remember. Of course, the Humble Bundle of which we speak is... Have we talked about the Humble Bundle? We have. We've even, like, shilled for it, even though we don't get paid for it. You're right. We should we should really get on that charity bandwagon. Yeah, you know, you really, really cash in on that, that whole chain of uh, getting advertising money for charities. But hey, speaking of uh, video games that are accessible to everyone, easily played on the PC, uh, cheap, and low stress, let's talk about something that's the opposite of that. Do you do you want me to do like a, a season finale reveal for you? Oh, absolutely. Though this is someone you've never met before. He is he's a a new dark horse. Gotcha. All right, someone I've never met before. Okay. mm Hmm. Well, it's just another night here at my private investigation detective agency and uh, about to close up shot. Wait, who's that at the door? Oh, she's a, a, a leg girl. She's got leg girl. And oh, man. Oh, wow. Oh, and it looks like she's concerned. Uh, I hope nobody can hear me. My thoughts because they're really dumb and stupid. Oh, uh, it's it's. Oh, what's your name, miss? Hi, skeleton. It's me, Bloodborne. Blood, blood, blood. Blood. So tell me about Bloodborne. I like Dark Souls games. Dark Souls games are really unique and challenging. I am not as uh, insane about them as as some people. I'm not one of the the huge, like, mega fans of it. Uh, but I have played Demon Souls for, I don't know, like 10 times over, and I beat Dark Souls quite a few times, and Dark Souls 2 didn't really grab me, and I haven't played much of 3. 3 is pretty great, just so you know. I should play it. Yeah, or uh, alternatively, since you've got that PS4, you should check out Neo. Neo, my Team Ninja. Yes. But enough about Neo. He can dodge bullets somewhere else. <laughs> Keanu. Uh, that's a different movie. Um, so I have been playing Bloodborne, and it is real strange. Take us through just like the the basic premise, since this is the first time we're talking about Bloodborne. Uh, the basic story premise, or like the game premise? Uh, I would start just. What is the first thing that jumps out at you about you? What? <laughs> Uh, the, first the first thing that jumps out at me is a crazy man with a cleaver who kills me. Yes. Yes, it is. Actually, no, it's a werewolf. That, too. So, like, give us a little bit about the atmosphere and such. Uh, it is... Well, to give you a little bit about the atmosphere, I have to talk about the creator, whose name is Something Miyazaki. Yes, I only know his last name as well. And I believe he was the project lead on Dark Souls, not so much on Dark Souls 2. Yes, he was project lead on Dark Souls and Dark Souls 3. 
Okay. So when his time came to make a game of his own after Dark Souls had reached the crazy pinnacle of attention that it could reach, which is insane considering the Demon Souls was a very niche experience. Yeah. After Dark Souls had become crazily popular, he made this game that was so totally different from what Dark Souls is, while still maintaining the the same kind of appeal, but it really couldn't be more of a different game. How is it different? Whereas Dark Souls is uh is kind of dark gothic, very very middle ages, very like swords and sorcery. Yeah. Bloodborne is very um Victorian kind of. It it wears a it wears its Anglo-Saxon on its sleeve. It's very inspired by um you know western Europe. Okay. So we're talking like top hats and monocles and well well-dressed gents on the street. It's the kind of aesthetic that's really been uh kind of stolen by things like steampunk. Yeah, that's true. Which kind of put me off from it because to look at it from afar is like, oh, is this like steampunk Dark Souls? That sucks. And it isn't that. No, I think it's more of a traditional sort of Victorian setting, you know, with muskets. But they had muskets then. so Yeah, for fine. sure. And I mean, it's it's such a... It's such a good setting because it takes it away from these these traditional strictures of these sword and sorcery um, mechanics. Whereas in Dark Souls, really the easiest, well, the path of least resistance is if you have a shield and you have a spear, you can just like block and poke and get your way through the whole thing. Yeah, you know, you could turtle through that entire series, really. And of course, this... Uh, this whole series is predicated on you wake up with uh, very small amounts of information and you have to navigate your way through the world with the one constant of things are always trying to kill you and you have to kill them. And when you kill them, you get some kind of currency that you lose if you die. Yeah, it's got like elements of roguelikeness where you might lose progress and like progression of your character if you die. But usually you don't lose that much progress. It's always pretty well-tuned because you lose just enough to make your stomach fall to your feet, but not enough to make you quit playing. <laughs> pretty much. And that's why I always level up every chance I possibly can. Oh, yeah. But this game takes away those, those like, block and poke mechanics and really changes combat entirely because if you were to imagine this kind of Victorian world shields would be extremely anachronistic so they've used the the setting to thematically change how the game works fundamentally that's great that you know that you want there to be a reason for a game mechanic change so putting it in a different setting rather than dark souls so that there would be less shields would make it so that your the combat needs to be that much i guess more fluid and faster if you can't block, you need to be able to dodge, right? And thematically, in the game, you are a, a hunter. And whereas in, in Dark Souls, you are just some lost soul who's trying to do one thing or another. But the um, the the mythos of this game is that hunters are, are very brash, crazy, kind of going off half-cocked suicide martyrs for killing monsters. I mean, that sounds just perfect. I mean, 
But you're not undead or anything, right? You are not undead. That I know of. You did get a blood transfusion. That's interesting. I mean, it's called Bloodborne, so... Oh, blood is a huge theme. But it takes these these structures that you're used to and turns them on their head where your primary form of defense is offense. So instead of waiting and observing to see patterns, you're better off kind of diving right into the combat and trying to kill them before they kill you. It is fully incentivized in a way that it took me a second to understand because I I picked up fairly early on shields aren't a thing. You have a gun in your left hand that you use to shoot things and that stuns them and that's how you get a, a breath in the action as you shoot things and you parry with your gun. But I thought that your primary mode of defense would be rolling out of the way, which is a pretty common thing to do in, like, a Dark Souls game. Yeah. However, in Bloodborne, your defense is to just get back in there and start hitting things again. You are expected to learn very, very quickly and not back off and try to figure out something better. Because it has this genius mechanic in it that I'm not sure I've seen in anything else called Regain. Regain? Uh, you know, sometimes in uh, in video games, particularly in, like, fighting games, which is, I think, where they get some of the inspiration from this, if you get hit by an attack, it shows you the portion of your life that you lost, and that depletes down to show you the amount that you have. Yeah, yeah, like in Street Fighter, or I, you, you kind of nailed it with any fighting game, really. Because in fighting games, it's just to show, it's it's to give you an idea in the moment of how much damage you took, because it's supposed to be a very quick visual representa- representation of, like, that did that to you, don't let that happen again. Exactly. Don't let them pull off that aerial combo again, otherwise you'll be at, e- you know, even less health. And in Bloodborne, every bit of damage you take does the same thing. It reduces your life, but leaves a yellow portion of your health bar behind. And it starts to drain down to where you should be, just like in a fighting game, but every time you hit the thing that just hit you, you regain little bits of that so you can stop it from going all the way back down. That's really cool. It's kind of like uh, the Earthbound series, if you've ever played that. Um, but in, in that series, your health is represented by like a uh, like a meter, you know? Oh, yeah, because it's like, yeah, like little tick marks. Yeah, with like a turn, with turning parts. So if you get hit really hard... Your health starts ticking down, but if you can heal yourself before it hits zero, you can save yourself. So this is like that a little bit in that you can kind of just recoup some of your losses, but probably not get back to full health. Uh, there are there are instances where, especially for early bosses, you can get hit with something devastating and lose three quarters of your health. But if you get back in there, you, you roll up and you, you dodge expertly and you hit them a bunch you regain everything you lost that's great because that that teaches you to do that you know especially if the you know the early bosses are the ones teaching you to do that that that's the game teaching you how to play the game and you don't have to like sit through an hour-long tutorial where it says if you get hit hit the enemy (laughs) i hate tutorials it's uh the tutorial of Bloodborne is very short, but it's it's this kind of sense throughout. It's a uh, and this gets into kind of spoilery territory, but it's not super spoilery. Um, a manic, frenzied sense is entirely uh intended for that game. 
that ties a lot into sort of like the the madness of the Victorian era. You know, you had a lot of of weird madness related things. You know, like Jekyll and Hyde, and you know a lot of other things. Madness comes up a bunch in the Victorian literature, uh, so that's kind of cool that they're they're they they zeroed in on that and they're using it as a an element of the game. And the the madness ties into it a lot more because you have, um, and this is revealed fairly early on, but you have a stat called Insight. Okay. And the first time you get Insight is when you see the first boss that you see, whichever one of the two that you can fight first, and you get one. You get one Insight. You get one Insight every time you see a boss for the first time. What does it do? Uh, interesting question, because I don't know yet. Oh. Uh, the, the first, the first piece of insight I got, I'm like, that's cool. So I went back to the hub where you get all your abilities from and a doll had come to life and then would level me up and speak to me. Yeah. But if you talk to anyone, they say that the doll is like not a talking living thing, that it's just a doll. And if you look at what insight means, you open the little help menu. It says that it's in human knowledge you've acquired. And as you acquire more, the world changes around you. So the, so you're, you're basically going insane, basically. I have seen things that say insight is cool. Do not get too much of it. Well, you're going to get insight every time you see a boss. Yeah. Apparently it is the, the hardest on your first run through because you can't stop that from happening. Wow, you're gonna get, you're gonna end up talking to some type of Cthulhu monster. Or some ah, uh, they're they're pretty serious undertones and overtones right now that make me feel like something Lovecraftian is going on, and that makes me real excited. Yeah, I, I think I've heard murmurs that there is some Lovecraftian influence, uh, and I think the DLC was called Dark Fisher or something like that. So perfect. That yeah, I, I think you've got. You've got something to look forward to, buddy. Oh, I I can't. It has got me in the exact same way the original Dark Souls got me in that I will think about it during the course of the day for entirely too long. I mean, that's a good way to get through some arduous days, you know? It it really is. Thinking about Stardew Valley gets me through, you know, the workday so that I look forward to getting home. And while my girlfriend studies for some... Uh, interior design licensure test. I'm playing Stardew until I pass out. Woo! And then you get your interior design licensure thing when you design the sickest house. Oh man, I got so many skeleton sca- statues. Nice. Yeah, it looks like a regular bow jangles. A regular bone jangles. Yeah, bone jangles. The- oh, Bloodborne's so good. I, I've always wanted to play it. I got to play it for like an hour or so with a friend, but, uh, and you were there. But, uh, I've always wanted to play it to completion, but I never had the chance because it is not on the place. It's not on the PC. It's not for PC. They're dumb. I hate, I hate it. It's only a PS4 exclusive. Yeah. I mean, it was developed. I think, yeah, I think it was produced by Sony. So I, I think there's not a strong chance of it ever being ported. So, if only you know. there were some way for people to watch a thing, because I know that all of our listeners only have PCs, because they're they're discerning. 
Well, I, I mean, I think they're smart because everyone knows a PC is way better than buying like any specific console just because you can update it and it, you know, it has a longer lifestyle, lifestyle, a longer lifetime and it's more powerful and it's great and you don't get locked into any some stupid, you got to pay for internet thing because you're already paying for internet and it's just like, man, why would I ever buy a PS4? But it doesn't have Bloodborne. Uh, that's why I would buy a PS4. See? And if only there was some way for people to watch other people play Bloodborne. Are you trying to hint at some sort of, like, website that people can go to on their PC to watch people play a game they don't have? All I'm saying is twitch.tv slash zero credits and zero credits season two will be all new. I, wait, you're trying to... T- you're tying season two... To the Twitch channel. It is a cross-media experience. Man, that's great. Everybody get crossed. Everybody get crunk. In the tipsy. Everybody get crunk in the tipsy. That's my favorite Jane Austen novella. Yes, the famous novellas of Jane Austen. Man, she was so succinct. (laughs) What are you saying? Uh, whatever. Alright, so they, they you're saying that people can check out you playing Bloodborne on the Twitch channel of ours that we own sometime that lines up with Season 2. Sometime that lines up with Season 2, you can watch me throw my face at a wall. I mean, that's basically what the Dark Souls are the, uh, what are they called? The, the, what are they called? Soulsborne. That's yeah, what the Soulsborne. Souls- that's what the Soulsborne genre really is. It's kind of just throwing your face at a wall until the wall eventually gives way. My only problem is that I, I don't know how to make my face visible, but we'll figure that out. I mean, if you want to do that, all you got to do is get a webcam and plug it right into your face. Uh, I was amazed that you can just plug a uh, a blue microphone right into a PS4 and it works. That's really cool. I did not know that. PS4 is real robust. Hey, you know, it's about time they start becoming more like, you know, computers. It's about time they became robust. Robust, like a robot. Speaking of robust. What's up, buddy? It might be time to take a break since we talked about the two things we were going to talk about. Wait, don't reveal that we don't have more planned for our season finale of season one of Zero Credits. Oh, we just have to spin the pop culture wheel again. Yeah, and then we can talk about whatever the wheel lands on. It's a regular gimmick. I really hope it doesn't land on, um, pottery. You know, as as important to culture and society as pottery is, I do not have a lot to talk about that particular subject. Uh, Doric Ionic Corinthian. Shit, no, that's columns. Those are columns, you column head. Oh, I'm a column head. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Tune in. Uh, What? Tune in. Tune in to the exciting conclusion of this episode. Okay, but like, say it with conviction. Tune in for the exciting conclusion of this episode. (laughs) We didn't go anywhere. And now it's time to spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. Give it a spin, John. Okay, here we go. Here go wheel noises. Zero 
What do you know? The wheel landed on... Mover! Oh, uh, let me... That's a typo. Oh, is that a typo? I I thought we were to talk about, like, the movers we've hired over the years. I've never hired movers. Neither have I. I've only relied on myself and my friends. That'd be a short segment. Thank God movers aren't media. It's actually shrimp. Oh, it's a shrimp! (laughs) Okay, so we can't talk about shrimp, because shrimp are gross. I'll spin the Why wheel again. Sh- <laughs> I thought you said shrimp. I'm sorry. Blah, 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 Ding. Oh, this time it landed on feature films and or motion pictures. Motion pictures? You mean talkies? I mean them talking yakins. Those talkum yakum robots. That's what they call them these days, you know. Talking Joaquin Phoenix. That's who's in them. Every movie's got a talking Joaquin Phoenix. At least somewhere. It's it's usually in the background. So, uh, I watched a movie. I also watched a different movie. Oh, that means we have to, uh, fight to see who gets to talk about their movie first. Alright, here we go. Throw down, throw down. This is it. This is the big climactic moment. The moment you've all been waiting for in the blue corner. It's John Red Corner. It's me. We go on mono and mono. Let's go. You all turned it, tuned into this because you want to see brother against brother. Now this, are you, are you not entertained? Here we go. Huh. And Henry wins. Yes. The old fake your death to win routine technique. Hey, we fought, and the first to die wins. Everybody knows that's the rule. That's the rule how you play the game. Hey, everyone, everybody listen. You play the ru- you play the game to you play the game to play the rules, and the rules Huh <sighs> Henry. Alright, so this past Valentine's Day, I had the pleasure of seeing the latest installment of a movie and a franchise known as Lego. I saw Lego Batman movie. Oh, right up until the end, I thought it was going to be Fifty Shades Darker. You know, we almost saw that, but then we decided, why would we spend our hard-earned money on a movie that nobody's ever going to see ever in their entire life? And instead, you spent it on a movie made out of toys. Yeah. Although, we actually watched the Lego movie after watching the Lego Batman movie. And the, uh, the amount of computer animation that... So in the Lego movie, everything is Legos. Like, everything you see is made out of Legos, except for the things that are from the real world. In the Lego Batman movie, there's a little more uh, freedom. There's a little more liberations taken with the computer graphics. Not everything is Lego. Oh. Yeah, I don't know why or anything like that. I, it's just something that we noticed. Uh, like, the water was actual water and not, like, little Lego beads. Oh, but that would be amazing if it was little Lego beads. Well, then you would love the Lego movie, the first one that happened, like, back in 2015. Because they, they did that. Maybe they were like, it's a pain in the ass. Let's not do that. Well, I think it's because the first Lego movie, and there might be a little bit of spoiler here, but the first Lego movie kind of blended the Lego world with the real world a little bit, you know, toward the end. Oh. 
uh, the Lego Batman movie, again, I guess minor spoiler, takes place entirely and tight and completely in the Lego world, you know? Does it start in the Lego world? Are they not like, let's zoom into this Lego Batman box? No, it kind of starts with the understanding that you are in the Lego world. And so everything you see will be Legos, but maybe not everything is made of Legos. So it was actually um, Forrest Whitaker, just he narrated that at the beginning of the movie to give you the sense that you were in the Lego world. John, the beginning of this movie, the Lego Batman movie, is phenomenal. It is is narrated, but not by Forrest Whitaker. It's narrated by Will Arnett, who everyone knows plays Batman. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows Will Arnett is Batman. Everybody knows that. He's a good Batman. No, this, uh, so the Lego Batman movie, what I really enjoyed about it was it really paid homage, homage. It play, it paid tribute to the long history of the Batman character and that this Batman in this movie is treated as the canonical Batman who's been through all of that. All of it? Like, been through the Michael Keaton film. The films or whatever, the, the Val Kilmer films, the, the George Clooney films, the Christian Bale films, and even the, uh, what's his name? Ben Affleck film. Really? Yeah. He, this Batman is, is all of those Batman. So this seems pretty interesting because this might be the only Batman movie that doesn't take Batman seriously. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it could be, it could be argued that the Adam West Batman didn't take Batman seriously. Uh, and he has also paid tribute in this, but, uh, this is like the first a hundred percent lighthearted Batman movie that still manages to have very serious moments in it. But the overall feeling is that, Hey, we're here to have a good time, folks. Uh, what's the, uh, what's the story of this movie? So the story of this movie, uh, just to, just to lay it out there a little bit, a little tiny taste is that Batman doesn't need anybody and he never will and he likes it that way wait really and he's all alone oh so is this like an ironic thing and he actually does need people i mean that's kind of what you find out through the course of the movie uh but i mean the premise is basically the (laughs) batman tells the joker that he doesn't need anybody not even him and the joker sets out to prove to batman that he needs him. Almost in like a, not a killing joke. What was that, uh, what was that Joker thing that was similar to that? Maybe it was killing joke, who knows. Well, killing joke was about, uh, it only takes one bad day. You're right. You know, and he was trying to get Commissioner Gordon to basically lose his mind. Um, but he ended up failing, and then Batman and the Joker laugh. I, I didn't understand the ending of the killing joke. Uh, Batman. Anyway. And, uh, that's, that, you're thinking of the Dark Knight Returns. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You're thinking of the, one of the Batman games. No, that was Talia. Talia? What? (laughs) Whoops. Uh, we have to censor all of that. Anyway, back to Lego Batman. Uh, So Lego Batman, it's a good time. You've got a really talented voice Talent, voice talent, really talented voice people in there. You got Will Arnett as Batman. You got Michael Sarah. He plays a uh, Robin. He plays a Robin. Uh, you got uh, what's his name? Zach Galifianakis as the Joker. 
which it sounds weird, but it actually works. Um, you've got Rafe Vines as Alfred. Oh, what? Rafe Vines as Alfred? Oh my god. Rafe Vines as Alfred, and Alfred is pretty kick-ass in this. Uh, and then you've got just a whole mess of other people who are good, and they have cameos. I mean, everybody makes an appearance in this. Kite Man, Egghead, uh, Condiment King, you got your, your, your Bane, your Catwoman, your, your other ones, and your, oh, and Barbara Gordon, and Jim Gordon, everybody, Superman, you name it, they're in this movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, and it's a pretty, I, I don't know, I, I like Lego Movie a lot, I, and I like Lego Batman a lot. It's it's they're kind of tied for like quality. I think they're these Lego movies are going to be really good. I uh, I'm excited for further Lego things. I was very excited to see Lego Batman, which I haven't yet because the only people I know who have seen it have seen it on dates and didn't invite me. You have a girlfriend. You're right. I do. Oh, and they have they have recliners in that theater now. Anyway. I uh, I was just interested to see a a movie adaptation of the kind of ridiculousness that Batman has reached in the real world. Yeah. And I think that uh it's it's become a problem serially for Batman movies to just take Batman way too seriously. I mean, yeah, the the instinct these days or the instinct really since the Tim Burton days has been to continually make it grim, make it dark, make it gritty, and this movie spits in the face of that while becoming its own kind of original thing. And I feel like Will Arnett is a is a great kind of gravitas-filled voice to do something like that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it, he's obviously a little more grovelly than usual, but there's not much difference between his Batman voice and his own voice, which I think is... Kind of pivotal to to doing Batman well. What about his Lemony Snicket voice? Wait, well, oh, yeah, he is in that. One hundred percent. I forgot. Um, no, I mean that that's his like his 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 real voice. So it's it's not that. It's more grovelly than his normal voice. But you can still tell it's him. It's not like Christian Bale here. You know. Are there but incredible it, musical numbers? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, Batman raps. What? It's so good. Oh man, it's so good, John. I, you know that feeling you get when you're in the theater and you realize your face is tired because you've been smiling for like minutes. The last time I felt that was Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Well, I was doing that in this movie because of just all of. I mean, I've been a fan of Batman for a really long time. I've never read the comics, but I just know a lot about, like, the, the lore and the canon and stuff like that. And it just took all of my knowledge and rewarded me for it and just this great, fun action-adventure moment. And so I was delighted beyond belief for this. It was It was super awesome. Would you say, Henry, that you've been a fan of Batman forever and you are so happy... Now that Batman returns. Yes, I would say that. I would try to work one more in, but I would say it. The Dark Knight. <laughs> the Dark Knight rises. The Dark Knight rises. <laughs> oh, man. It was... Look. 
That movie is good. And I, I don't try to overhype things. I don't try to oversell things. But uh, it's it's good. So check I, it out. I look forward to checking it out. Check it out. I would say it's probably a buy it. Ooh. Yeah. I, I'd say a buy it is a pretty strong recommendation because only the, the creme de la crop gets the gotta have it. Well, yeah, I don't think it was a gotta have it, but I think buy it is a strong, uh, what do they call that, recommendation. It's a strong buy it, too. Yeah. I'd say it's a borderline gotta have it. It's right on the edge there, dude. It's a it's seesawing on that gotta have it line. Yeah. You know, just like a regular old lumberjack. I saw a movie. John saw a movie? Guess what it was called? Was it called Fifty Shades Darker? No, but it was dark. It was John Wick 2. Don't you mean John Wick Second Chapter or John Wick Chapter 2 or something? It is actually called John Wick the Second Chapter, I think. Yeah, something like that. The, the word chapters is used somewhere in there. So, uh, John Wick, two chapters. What, what's, how, how, what, how? It's, uh, you mean like story-wise, how is it possible? Well, I just, how, you know, how, you know, just in general, how? Uh, well, John Wick, uh, is played by Keanu Reeves. Oh, that's, uh, he's, uh, no, no, yeah. He's a Matrix. He's a Matrix. He's a Speed. And then... He does a lot of killing. Nice. You know, that <laughs> That was the first one, so... I mean, uh, the John Wick 2... Puh, the John Wick movies have always uh, really been at the forefront of my brain because of how smart they are. They're not smart in that they take a lot of brain power, but they're smart in that they spend all of their energy exactly where they need to to make something that's compelling and really, like... No exaggeration, action-packed. Like, it is, they're packed with action to the point where you feel borderline overwhelmed. No, I I really appreciate the uh, the John Wick movie series because it seems like that's an action movie done to the, the ultimate form. You know, it, we, we, I always complain about, well, they never have to reload their guns in movies. John Wick does a great job of, like, gunplay and gun mechanics and everything like that to the point where it's like you can count the bullets with him and know exactly when he needs to reload. It, that They pay so close attention to detail that it just really makes those movies feel realistic in a way that other action movies feel more fantastic. And the, 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 the gun stuff, the, the verisimilitude of... Um, believable amounts of bullets and believable actions that take place is really turned up way higher in John Wick 2 because they they are aware that you paid attention to that economy of violence that was in place in the first movie and now they call attention to it. There is a, a specific point in the movie where someone offers John Wick a gun with seven bullets and it is a very big deal that all it has is seven bullets. And then it's it's used for a really funny gag using that economy of violence. But it's, I mean, the the John Wick movies. I think of it this way: um, you're familiar with insider trading, right? That's the illegal action of like trading with knowledge that you know a stock is going to go up and down. 
Yeah, it's, it's trading using knowledge that no one else has, so it's not fair. And I think that the John Wick movies are so good because they're inside action movies. So it's it's not fair to the other action movies. It's not because the, the directors of John Wick and John Wick 2 are both action movie stuntmen. They're not even, like, they're stuntmen? I think they're stuntmen. That's crazy. Uh, I I believe so. I might be wrong on that, but I know at least one of them does, like, stunt coordination work. But they pour so much, so, so much, so much love and attention into these movies. It's so hard not to get really excited about awful, awful things happening to people. Yeah, I mean, as much as we can praise the movie, I mean, it is, like, it's killing. Everybody's being a kill. Everybody's killing. I will sometimes uh, argue that in American media, the verb that our heroes interact with the world with is violence. And this movie is that to a ridiculous degree. Even the first one was just like, it's violent to an unbelievable degree to the point where it's like, what? How can one person be okay with doing this so many times? But, you know, I, I think... That's where you sus- suspend your disbelief, I guess. Yeah, the most... In a movie full of relatively believable things and that it stays grounded in reality, it it plays with that in that the character of John Wick is so supernaturally competent that that's where you can draw the line and be like, okay, this is fantasy, I can feel good about this, this isn't like some Black Hawk Down stuff. Yeah, this isn't SEAL Team 6 or anything, or even Lone Survivor, where it's... You know, it's too real. So we still have a a level of like, okay, I can enjoy this because it could never happen. There's no way there's a person on the planet that is like this. Yeah, John Wick is still a superhero cartoon character, no matter how realistically they portray him. So do we dive any deeper into the world of John Wick as was hinted sort of throughout the first movie? Absolutely. Is it explained or is it just more sort of hints? Um, it is, it, it really exists within this world and explores it a little bit more. No one like steps aside and they're like, you know, this exists because of this. There's very little exposition, but there's enough dialogue to give you a taste of the, the greater structure of things, which I think is to the movie's benefit because if you examine the strange uh, hitman 1% hyperculture that exists on top of the real world, I don't think that would hold up to scrutiny. Yeah, I think that's a fair point to make. But it does explore that world a lot more, and it, it explores its its rules and the major players and how global it is and how there are strange cultural differences between, you know, the, the Italian arm of this weird hitman organization and the American arm. Well, that sounds interesting. And it talks about things like there are like Hitman High Councils and there are concerts to celebrate people like going up to like stations of power in this Hitman organization. This sounds bizarre and surreal at the same time. It was really in watching the second John Wick movie that I was made fully aware of the fact that these movies take place in an alternate universe totally dissimilar from ours. Yeah. I mean, when you've got people throwing concerts for people for hitting a, a like a new level of hitman power, it just seems like that's not our world. We live in John Wick world now. 
And sometimes you question what this world actually is because sometimes uh, John Wick shoots someone on stage at a concert. All right. Because he's running and he has to run through the stage, but he does it in front of these people who are at this concert to see the coronation of this person rising up in the Hitman world. And they see him shoot this guy and they all start cheering. What? That's but it's really it's weird. it's only when he's amongst them firing bullets near them and putting them in danger that they start to freak out. <laughs> That's also really weird. And this this world has this muted reaction to violence throughout where you think, What what is this place? It's it's very surreal. Yeah, I mean I guess if if if, if I mean you also have to kind of imagine, I guess, that Everyone at that event is used to the lifestyle to some degree. Mm-hmm. So maybe that explains their muted reactions at first or, or their cheering at first. I don't know. That's a really weird thing that I would have to see to be able to, to dissect. And the, the entire movie up until the very end just keeps expanding on expanding on this idea that this organization and this, this structure that was teased in the first John Wick is much, much, much bigger than you possibly could have imagined in the first movie. And it it uses its budget well. And sometimes I think that if you, I was to explain this to people, it would sound crazy and uh, just silly and unwatchable. But this goes back to these movies being very smart because these people who wrote and directed this essentially created the perfect world for an action movie to take place in, which is a world that is just comfortable enough with the violence to not make you feel like the cops would have been called at this point. <laughs> I mean, what would the cops do against an organization of hitmen? You know, sometimes I wonder if there are police officers in the world of John Wick. You just wait until John Wick 3 when it's revealed that the organization has replaced the government. Oh, there's a thing that happens at the end of John Wick 2 that, uh... Whew. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it ends on such a good note. Is there not going to be a John Wick 3? Um, I'm excited. Alright, that's a good answer. I, oof, man. Don't, you know, we can't talk about true spoilers, so. Yeah, no no true spoilers, but man, favorite part of this movie uh, is that they, the, the, the impression that you get in the first movie is that this assassin organization is extremely classy, old world, and kind of refined yeah and they explore that more like john wick goes to the italian version of this hitman world and he's like oh is the sommelier in which is french for like wine taster connoisseur well, yeah the, the 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 wine guy basically and there's a there's a great character actor in the basement playing the sommelier and i don't know what his actor's name is and i hate it because i like him but they're they're having this very muted conversation about and he's just talking about wines. He's using wine pairing language, but he's being given guns. What? That's awesome. You know, he's he's like, I'd like something to to start the evening off. And the the sommelier is like, Oh well, I know you've you've been pretty uh, amenable to this variety, but may I introduce you to the the Belgian, the Glock sixteen and twenty seven. <laughs> And then he says, oh, and, you know, for for after dinner, I would like something that's precise and robust. And then he just gives him an assault rifle. That's crazy. That's great. 
And a favorite line of that scene is they stare at each other and clearly something is unsaid. And then John Wick is like, and for dessert? And he just takes out this box full of knives. And he's like, the finest cutlery, all hand stoned. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, I'm going to have to see this movie somehow. Oh, it's it's so good. Yeah. You should go to a movie theater. Well, I've been to a I've been to a movie theater more times in the past few weeks than I have in like the past year. Why stop now? I don't know. I don't I don't think uh, my girlfriend would be into John Wick. Probably. I don't know. Go by yourself. Go at midnight. Go at midnight. Go by myself. That's lonely. Go for lonely times. Lonely times. Nah, I'll see it somehow. It'll be great. I would call John Wick two. A strong, strong buy it. I would call the original John Wick a gotta have it easily, but this one does have problems. Mainly that Keanu Reeves keeps talking. Keanu Reeves has more opportunities to speak, and it certainly doesn't feel as fresh as the first one did, but you can't you yeah. can't feel as fresh as the first John Wick did. Well, and, I mean, just that's the, the nature of sequels. You can't feel fresh as a sequel, kind of like ever. I mean, there's only so much you can do. Yeah, but that's that's good. Two strong, you know, buy-its for this unofficial. What did you watch that we didn't even introduce? And I mean, look, if you're gonna if you're gonna buy it, I mean, with how high movie ticket prices are now, if you're listening to this for future, buy it on DVD because that's basically what a movie ticket costs, I guess. Yeah, I mean, new release DVDs and Blu-rays or whatever are like 20 bucks, so you're still probably saving a little bit of money by seeing it in the theater, but you gotta factor in the replayability of a DVD, and that gives you infinite value. I mean, I paid $11 to see it in the theater, plus $5 for a Coke, plus $3 for the whiskey I put in the Coke. Wait, you paid $3 for whiskey where? Uh, what? Nothing. Never mind. You know those little <laughs> tiny whiskeys? Yeah, like the the travel variety. Yeah, I bought two of those. W- and you snuck them into your Coke? Um, no. Okay. Duh. <laughs> $11 is about what we pay for tickets here. Oh, what a ripoff. However, we don't buy $5 popcorn. We buy, like, $10 burgers and pizza because the Alamo Draft House is awesome. I want to be there. Don't worry. You will, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully one day. Ooh, Zero Credit Season 2. Where will John be? Right the fuck in the same place he's always been. Don't worry. That might be what? Like, Season 3 or something. But for now, we still have to wrap up Season 1! What? Wrapping up Season 1? That sounds like we need to talk about social media. Yeah, I think I think it's it's you know, hey, you know, John, John, you know, hey, John, hey, John, you know, what's up, John? What are we doing? What are we doing, John? John, what are we doing, Henry? I know exactly what we're doing. Oh no, bum bum bum. We're putting season one to bed. <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Wait, what? What did you didn't say? Realize you're going to shoot <laughs> season just... one. Well, you said put it to sleep. I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I, I did, I did what, I did what, you know, I did what I was trained to do. Look, it's, it's fine. Just. Oh God. Oh God. There's blood everywhere. Oh, just God. clean oh, it God. up. No, put... they're coming in. They're coming in the door. They're coming in. They're at the door. Okay. We got to wrap this up real quick. Hit me Hold with up. some social Hold media. Up. There's actually somebody at the door. Wait, wait. I'm about to make a ton of noise. 
Oh no, Henry. No, they're here. They're gonna take me away. Oh, you're being killed. I'm being killed by bags. Oh, you're being killed by bags, Henry. So many bags, John. You might as well start doing the social media wrap-up while I die. Henry, no. Oh, oh, no, Henry. Listen, the first... If you need to get in contact with us, uh, you should email us at zerocreditsisapodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email. Don't send us some spam. Oh, God. Oh, all the knives. Oh, there's a bag full of knives. As Henry's final words echo out through the halls of Zero Credits history, you should also send us a DM at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. That is our Twitter handle. Send us a DM. Send us a BM. But please don't. No, don't send us a BM. Shit. No, no, no. no. Rocks should not go up my nose. What? Why? Why would this you do is that? Horrible. This, it's horrible. No one should have to bury their podcast co-host. You can watch us on twitch.tv slash zero credits. Um, you can uh, oh, like, comment, oh. and subscribe. We have a <clears throat> Facebook. Poke us on Facebook. Oh, uh, my eyes do not bend that way. Don't poke us like Henry is being poked with sharp, sharp implements. Also shark implements. Uh, not the shark implements. Oh, they're burning hot. Well, I guess season two is going to have to have a different co-host because Henry is pretty much dead. Oh, man, what's going to happen to me in season two? It's, oh, it's a cliffhanger. Oh, no. Will I be dead? Wait, did you get through all... Did you mention our Facebook while I'm being killed? Yeah, I mentioned our Facebook. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm too busy being stabbed by various things to notice. What will become of Henry? Uh, what will become of me? Oh, oh, my liver and or spleen and my right toe. All of his soft organs spilled on the ground. Just like Mama used to me. Someone used his head like a mop and an, as his ass like a broom. What? That's Wait, I did not, did not sign off on this. That's an expression. Anyway, we'll catch you on the flip-flop, listeners. It might be uh, a week or two before season two kicks off, but every good TV show makes you wait. Wait, John, I have one last thing to say to the listeners. Henry, what is it? Come close. Wait, hold on. Hold on. There's doors opening and closing. All the killers are leaving. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're gone. They're gone now. The, the killers are gone. I just want to say... <laughs> the door somehow locked. Uh, I just want to say, listeners, one, one thing... John, John, get, get, get close, John. I'm close. All right, listeners, get close, get close. I just want to say, see you guys next season. Bye!